to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding Scripture reading this morning is found in Romans chapter 6, which is page 942 of your pew Bibles, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Please join me in asking for God's blessing on the reading of his word and the preaching of his word. Father, we pray this morning that, uh, that you will attend with great power uh, the reading of your word and the preaching of your word. Will you not visit us and will you not bless us and will you not transform us by the reading and preaching of your word this morning? We ask this in the power of the name of Christ. Amen. Romans 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Amen. As you can see in the uh, outline, I've tried to catch us up a little bit of where we are uh, in this uh, kind of hovering over uh, these last few verses in this section of Romans 6. Uh, and I had, we talked about that we don't believe, we, we don't really uh, try, and then we don't stay motivated. And so we've talked about joyful uh, awe. A couple of weeks ago, last week we uh, ordained our new officers, but a couple of weeks ago we talked about joyful awe, and, and now I'm talking about determination, okay? Maintaining our determination. And 
talk here basically about vision, about focus, and then about understanding how sin works. Never forgetting how sin works and, and what it's out to do in your life. I think one of the most important things for us in this whole realm of seeking to obey God and grow in grace is this issue of maintaining a motivation, of just an eagerness, uh, a willingness, a a determination, uh, an energy for it. Uh, And I I think the, the, the basis, obviously, is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago in your relationship to God so that you have the kind of relationship to with God that stimulates you and moves you and, and uh, amazes you and draws you into Him in particular. There's no obedience apart from that kind of relationship with Him. It's the molten core of everything. And, but I'm not going to preach that over again. just want to stress that, that all determination comes out of that joyful awe. But one of the most important things for us, and, and as I'm thinking about this, I'm I'm trying to think of it in a daily way. You know, like, how do you start off your day? How do you keep that uh, perspective on your day? And then how do you bring it to bear the next day and the next day and the next day? Kind of like the daily determination, okay? The daily determination. I even, I've even toyed with the idea of saying, I want you to set apart one day this week where you're going to absolutely determine yourself to work on this or that specific thing. And then talking about the whole day and then get to the end of it and say, now, do that the next day and the next day and the next day. But trying to grab hold of how critical every day is and and to keep that vision for our life. It's interesting, just in secular uh, thinking, in, in many areas we see what they find works among men and women really is a biblical principle. And that is that if you envision what you want to be and then envision the steps, even run through the steps of seeing yourself, if you're going to start a training program, you see yourself going in to buy your clothes, you see yourself getting up at a certain time, you see yourself, you just watch yourself do those things and you get those things fixed in your head. Now we might think, yeah, it's a bunch of you know, secular stuff right there. But it's amazing how much time is spent in the New Testament on that very thing. Just like we have right here. Why would Paul say, consider yourself in verse 11, as we've already uh, studied, but consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. You're to envision yourself dead to this way of life. You're to envision yourself, I am alive to the power of God. I am not what I was. I won't go over everything we said, but it's that idea. This is how you see yourself. Now, we could ask the question just on that one verse, is that, do you rehearse that? Do you play that before your mind? Do you have that kind of holy self-talk before the promises of God? And, and that's just the way you start every day. Now, if it's not, there's, there can be a radical difference in how we live. If that is the tone of our beginning every day, to try to rehearse these promises. I think of it as sitting out, having just been in Colorado this week with the young folks. And gosh, what a privilege it was to hang out with them. I, I just had the greatest time. Uh, the little I got, I got to be with them every night in small group, and we hiked one day. But um, 
We have a, a, a wonderful group. But um, I, I thought of a deck and the, and the surrounding mountains and these mountains being the promise of God and you just going out on that deck every morning and just soak in the promise of God. Let the promises of God drive you and feed you and nourish you and excite you every morning before you face your day. I, I dare say that may not be your practice. It may not be my practice. And this, this envisioning, though, of just this verse or how he says in Colossians 3, set your mind on the things above. Picture yourself with Christ and in Christ. Set your mind on all those heavenly things. And then the whole chapter lays those out in terms of kindness and forgiveness and patience. These heavenly things that you're to set your mind on. Or in 1 Peter 1.13, he says, set your hope completely on the grace that's going to be brought to you when Jesus appears. Completely have your mind taken up with that. So this envisioning is everywhere in Scripture. The whole of Hebrews 11 is built upon that, believing in the city that they have or the country that they have and therefore willing to lose everything that they have. The end of chapter 10 in Hebrews, as we've talked about many times, you accepted the seizure of your possessions because you had identified with the prisoners. You knew what it would cost you if you did identify and help the prisoners. And sure enough, they found you and they took all your stuff. You received it with joy because you knew you had a better possession. You see, their vision, their clear, believing vision of what they had in Christ Jesus meant they could lose everything. So that idea of of keeping a clear sight of what we're about, who we are, why we are here, who God is, what He has done for me, the most basic things, but to keep them alive and churning and burning, thrilling in our hearts. And that, that can only happen in concert, it can happen in worship, it happens in discussion, it happens in interaction with his people, and it happens when you are in prayer and the word yourself. It says of Moses, why was he able to leave everything in, uh, in Egypt? Because he was looking to the reward. That's it, looking to the reward. Did he have a clear picture? Yes. Did he know what he was, he knew what he was giving up. Did he know what would be his even if he did? Yes. And so that, that clear thing, I just studied, I mean, I just taught uh, heaven and hell this week at, at RYM. And again, why these descriptions of heaven? Why the description of the new heavens and the new earth? Why the prophetic glories that are laid before us? It's for our vision. It's for the clarity of our thinking. So that these things will govern us. It's, and, and along these lines, we need to be, it would be wonderful if on a pretty regular basis, these things become so clear that, that we're emotionally moved every day. Just imagine entering into your day emotionally moved by the promise of God. Emotionally moved by the presence of God, the glory of God. What he's done for you in Christ. I'd say most days, perhaps, we don't. We're not that way. And the, the tendency, as we'll see again later at the end of this, but I'll mention it now, 
It's interesting how, how Peter has to tell us in 1 Peter 5, don't be, uh, be sober and wide awake. And it indicates that by nature, the tendency for us is to be half asleep and drunk spiritually. It's us. It's like Paul says, now be awake every day and don't be drunk, you know, spiritually, because that's our tendency. We just kind of blow into the day. And it's amazing how we get excited like I am and uh, maybe leave all the women out here, but many guys here know that uh, McDowell and Dustin Johnston are at five under and four under and that Tiger had, you know, a great day yesterday, shot a 66, pulled into third place, he's one under. Now, so everybody's wondering this afternoon, was Tiger going to do it? What happened to Phil Mickelson? Friday, he hits a five under, you know, and he's soaring. And then yesterday, it's a two over. And will Phil turn his thing around? You know, we're excited. It's the U.S. Open weekend if you like golf. Or if you like tennis, you're up. Wimbledon's coming up. If you like basketball, the Lakers and the Celtics go to game seven. If you like soccer, World Cup, you know, in South Africa. If you like baseball, it's Steven Strasburg, right? Some of you know who I'm talking about. Do you know that six times in, since 1900 has anybody struck out 14 people and walked nobody? Six times of tens of thousands of games. You know when Steven Strasburg did it? First game he ever pitched as a 21-year-old. Amazing. That's why he's called the national treasure, because he plays for the Washington Nationals, okay? When he comes to town, they say, it's Mary Strassmus, okay? <laughs> because of Peter Strasburg, all right? Um, he, he's, he's just a, a, a phenomenon. We see, we get the, the attendance in Cleveland. The second place he, he pitched was the highest since opening day. They sold out of, of Strasburg shirts in Cleveland, you know, <laughs> We get so excited, don't we, about certain things, sports events, etc. And I would urge you that your life in Christ is something that should generate excitement and energy. And, and, and if it's not there, how are we going to make any progress? How are we going to make any progress against something that's the most difficult thing in the world to become more like Christ? And if we don't have energy for it... If we're not stoking the fire, so to speak, in prayer and the word, well, we haven't got a chance. And I remind you, the enemy is is playing for blood. You know, Satan goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I've mentioned it before, but that scene in Rocky where uh, Apollo Creed's trainer comes over after Rocky's kind of flailed on Apollo Creed unexpectedly because the Italian stand is supposed to be nobody, you know. And he says, you know, this guy thinks it's a fight. You, know? <laughs> you may think this is a joke. He thinks it's a fight. Satan thinks it's a fight. He thinks, he, he knows it's deadly. Can you imagine going into the Texas-Alabama national football game and Saban just... Doesn't say anything to his players that day. You're in the, they're in the uh, locker room and they just get ready and just walk out. You know that didn't happen on either side. Uh, you know that these men spoke and tried to give them a vision of what this means. 
of this moment in their life, to give them a vision of what they can do and what they could accomplish this day and that they'd never have this chance again. And I just want to urge you that those are the kind of stakes for you and me every single day. There's not an unimportant day. There's never a day where there couldn't be wonderful gains in being like Christ and manifesting Christ. It is a joyful, a difficult adventure, but a joyful one. One in which we must keep a clear vision of what we are about. Knowing that uh, our place in history, knowing that there is a calling on our life. The God of the universe has called each one of you into fellowship with himself. He's called each one of you to be an instrument of his in this world. And so to keep this daily review, to, to have this daily talk, you know, like Psalm 42, when he's trying to earn three times in Psalm 42 and Psalm 43, he says, my soul, why are you uh, down within you? Why, why are you uh, low? Revive yourself. Hope again in God. And so there should be that holy uh, self-talk in a sense as, as the promises of God and the revelation of God encourage us and exhort us on a daily basis so that we know who we are, we know where we're going, we know why we're here. We, to, to, can you imagine every day to really believe my help is in the name of the God who made the heaven and the earth, Psalm 121. That's my help today. And to feel it, to sense that power, to know that God is the one who has planned this. God initiated in my life. God worked through Christ. God called me to himself. And when I ask him to change me, is he going to ignore me? Is he going to ignore my desire when my desire is nothing compared to God? That God is infinitely eager to do me good and to transform me every day? Those are the kinds of things that that need to swell around us on a daily basis. To believe that, uh, as Jesus says in John 14, if you obey me, he who loves me uh, obeys me, and he who loves me and obeys me, I will manifest myself to him. He says that in John 14, 21 and 23. And so in both of those, in, in that case, I kind of picture it like this. He's already on the battlefield. That's where you're going to meet him is in the way of spending yourself. You know, I will draw near to you. I will manifest myself to you as you seek to give yourself away in love. He's already out on the court. He's on the field. He's on the mountainside. His engine's running on the racetrack. He's already mounted and ready to ride. He's already plunged into the river. You'll meet him there. There There's the place of fellowship with Christ himself is in the way of spending yourself energetically uh, to do his will in all areas of, of your life. And along the lines of this very passage when he says to present yourself as members, to do that with expectation, you see, to do that with eagerness. And imagine putting your life in his hands like you would put a a broken piece of china or or a broken porcelain vase to one of these experts and they, they put it back together, you get it back in a few weeks and you just can't find the cracks in it, you know. And think of the difference in that and you with your little hot glue, you know, trying to put this whole thing together and it keeps falling apart. And, and they, even though you do get them all, they, that looks terrible, you know. 
And that's, that's holding on to your own life. That's trying to do it by yourself. That's self-help. No. He says here, as we've talked about, give yourself up to the righteous acting of God. The powerful God who is seeking to do you good. Give your life up to Him daily. Don't waste your life. Keep it in the hands of God and keep that vision before you. Well, the second thing I talk about here is, is focus. Focus, focus, focus. That's to emphasize focus, okay? <laughs> um, and, and the point here is that everywhere in Scripture, you'll find whether Proverbs, Psalms, the, the, uh, the prophets, the New Testament, detail after detail after detail of the specific things that we're to be and to do for Jesus, Jesus Christ. It's not a, there's, there are no generalities. Even when love is mentioned, it's spelled out in all the details of, of daily life and what this means for you and for me. And I think here we lose so much because we just have a general idea of something that we hope happens in our life somehow, somewhere. Instead of putting real focus into our life to ask, what am I doing? What am I working on? How am I isolating areas in my life? And what am I seeking to do? Imagine, for instance, if you were given $100,000 and you were given the whole summer off and you couldn't keep the $100,000, okay, past these three months, you had to spend it or you lose it. And you had three months to do anything you could in the United States with $100,000. Now imagine getting up, on, getting up on June 1 and you throw a few things together for, in fact, you wait a few days before you even leave because you hadn't really thought to pack, you know. So the clock's running and you're sitting at home for two or three days and finally you get off and you don't even know where you're going. You just drive off. And then... You end up, as after three months, you end up having visited pretty dumpy little towns in Oklahoma and Kansas. And that was about it. And you stayed in pretty dumpy hotels, some of them pretty seedy and lousy, and you ate at greasy spots the whole time, and you come back with $90,000. You didn't do anything. And I, I think for many of us, that describes a typical day sometimes or a typical month or a typical year or a typical three months in terms of our actual determination of what we're trying to do with our life and how we're trying to grow. I mean, for me, it would be 30 days on the eastern seaboard and then maybe 30 days on the western seaboard and then 30 days in Mesquite. No, no, really. <laughs> <clears throat> But you get the idea of, of, of focus, of deciding what we're going to do uh, in, in our lives. If, if I ask an artist, uh, what are you working on? And day after day after day, they said, well, nothing in particular. Think, How can you work on nothing in particular if you're an artist? I mean, you're painting something. Are you a sculpture? You know, a sculptor. What are you working on? If a right, what are you writing? Uh, an attorney. What cases are you working on? A surgeon. What are you going to be doing today? I, I don't probably. I don't know. You know. No. You know, they're projects. If you ask uh, Scott Haynes or Kevin Matthews or Ruth Ann Francis, what are you doing at Lockheed? They could tell you. You know, you ask Ruth Ann, and it's at least for me, it's pretty interesting. 
you know, what are you working on on the F-35? She'd tell you exactly the area, the specific area she's working on and what she's trying to do every day. Now, my question is, what are you working on? What area of your life, what, what is God bringing you to focus on and to accomplish? Um, you know, if uh, we ask, who's in charge of VBS? And we said, well, kind of everybody. Ugh. Didn't you know nobody's in charge, right? Nothing's going to happen. Things over and over and over again. To put this to death, to grow in this particular aspect. It was interesting uh, flying home when you get to the circle. I don't know what it is really called, but the circle cropping because, you know, the, the way they water. So all these circles down there. And in each case, there might be the whole circle that's green or a quarter of it or half of it or one third or two thirds. And it's like this focus, you know, of working. Or, or when they were uh, working on the Harris Hospital down here and adding the new sections, you'd go in and there'd be a thick piece of plastic or a wall, and you know they're working on that behind it. Or, or you're remodeling a house, and you have certain areas that are just kind of cordoned off, and you're focused, and we're putting in a new bathroom right now. I'm just asking you, what areas of your life? Have you ever taken your anger, for instance, and just said, Lord, I'm going to bring my anger before you and I'm going to be like Jacob and I'm going to say, Lord, I will not let you go till you bless me. And I'm going to memorize passages about it. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to talk to other people about it. I'm going to isolate and I'm going to see what God would do in my life to remove this from my life or or reduce it, you know, significantly in my life. Um, That kind of of wonderful, healthy focus that can... uh, that can cause us to move ahead in ways that we simply wouldn't otherwise. And then, uh, finally, I, I want to leave enough time to talk about this whole idea of uh, of wickedness and, and sin and, and what how it works in our lives. And, and really, this, this will tie in closely with this whole idea of, of vision as well. And hopefully, it'll tie in with, with focus as well. Um, but sin is like taking a pathway, and you're on this path uh, of one sin, let's say. One sin that kind of gets hold of your heart, and you start walking down this path. And, and what you'll find as you move into sin is your path converges with another path. And so that sin tends to widen in your life. Or you might say it's a tributary and another tributary joins you and you start getting a thicker river going. It's the way sin works. gets bigger. More things drawn into it, you see. More attitudes in other areas drawn into it. Plus, when you're coming back trying to find your way out of sin, you've got, you're confused. You can't find your way out like you could or thought you could. That's the way of sin to tend to uh, get deeper into our life, to take hold of us more and more. The tendency of sin is to sin, surprisingly. The tendency of sin is to get you deeper into sin, to make it harder uh, to find your way back, to confuse you, to dull your resolve so that 
you less and less want to return to Christ. And sin is like anything. If you practice anything, you tend to get good at it and you get used to it. And sin is that way. We just get used to it. We get accustomed to it. You get enough around enough bends in sin and deep enough into it, not only will you not find your way back, you don't even want to find your way back anymore. That's what sin wants to do. That's why it's spoken in terms of slavery and darkness and blindness. That's why Paul speaks of people who he prays will repent and come to their senses. It's like we get insane. You know, that's the influence of sin. Now, the reason I'm saying this is so that we can keep clear our vision that sin is always against us. It's always dangerous. So that we never have a lackadaisical attitude toward, toward sin. So the aromas and smells and sights and sounds and tastes of sin... We become used to them, we become familiar with them, we become comfortable in them, we get heart and life connections to these things, we become dependent on them, and it becomes a part of our life. And then the other thing that happens for us is that it's so hard sometimes in sin to find your way back. Now, here's, a, here's another illustration. I just was looking up... Uh, Carnivorous plants, <laughs> okay? Like, yeah, it sounds like you, Mr. So there's this one cobra plant, okay? It, it's called a pitcher plant because it has a thing like this, and it's to guard the enzymes at the bottom because when an insect falls into that, it just dissolves the insect away, get all the nutrients and phosphates and stuff and so phosphate ions, to be exact, you biologists out there. So, but, so ants are the favorite ones to come into this thing, but they're little windows, kind of, these spaces where there's no chlorophyll, so light comes through in this bulbous part of it. So to the ant, it's like all of these are different exits. The light confuses the ant, so he can't find the exit Because everything looks like exit. When you immerse yourself into sin, we find so many other ways than trusting in His grace to try to get out of sin. Because that's sin's tendency. We tend to want to work our way back to God. We tend to want to stay independent and fix it and manage it ourselves. Um, We... Try guilt-driven obedience. You know, just guilt, just feel so bad about what I'm doing. I'm just, I gotta quit this. I gotta quit this instead of falling before God and receiving His forgiveness and knowing the restoration of His grace and then seeking to live out. Even if there's another failure and another failure, living always out of this sweet fellowship with Jesus Christ and knowing that He has hold of your life and He is drawing you along and He will change you. But that's what sin tends to do. Keep us away from helpless, expectant faith. It blinds us. All the more I'm trying to say, we mustn't crawl in the little opening, so to speak. We must always realize sin is about something. to It doesn't want to stop anywhere until it has me, until it dissolves me, until it takes me. 
There's another one, uh, a group of plants that call kind of lobster trap plants, okay? You know, lobster and, tra- and crab traps work so that if you go in, it's not so easy to back out, but you can keep moving forward. And uh, one of them, oh, by the way, that uh, cobra plant, is uh, the first part of its name, I think this is charming. It's called Darlingtonia. Darlingtonia, yeah. Darling, all right. <laughs> But it makes me think of sin. It's a darling. It's sweet. It promises everything. It's got a great name. You know, it smells good. It feels good. All the while, what's the objective of the Darlingtonia? It's to kill the ant and dissolve it and eat it up. But these lobster plant pot plants, uh, one is, is a, uh, called a corkscrew plant. And in that one, the hairs are all pointed in one direction, right? So you can move forward, but... Everything's against you to move back until you just get further and further and further into it. And I think that is such a picture of sin. It's such a picture of the enemy, the tendency of sin to weaken and cripple and destroy. Especially, it's attacking your humanity itself. Sin seeks to dehumanize you. Sin seeks to take you away from love to God and love to others for which you have been made. As Lewis and I talked some about this this week in the talk on heaven and hell, but as Lewis says, if you choose self, then in the end, in hell, that's all you will have is self. That's all you will have. You will have no fellowship. You will have nothing of the goodness of God because you've chosen something other than the goodness of God. If you choose not to give yourself up to God's goodness, if you choose to not believe in His goodness and to say, I'm going to hold on to my life and I'm going to do what I want to with my life, then, as you've heard this before, Lewis says there's really two different people in the world. Two kinds. One that's come to this gracious, good God and say, Thy will be done. In the word, in the terms of Romans 6 here, they give themselves up to Him. Fix my life. Piece me back together. I'll continually put my life in your hands so that you'll put the porcelain back together. Or the other group to whom God says, Thy will be done who don't want to submit themselves to God's goodness, who refuse to admit or believe in His goodness and His love in Jesus Christ. And so they refuse Him, and in the end God says, Thy will be done. You'll have none of me. You'll have none of my goodness. You'll have none of the goodness of this world that you've even enjoyed up to this point. None of the goodness of creation. None of the goodness of fellowship with people or any good thing you've ever tasted or experienced. It's all gone. Because all of that came from God in the first place. And now you're cut off from that goodness. That's where the enemy would land us. And that's the vision we have to keep about sin. And I don't want us to think, you know, be into every day just scared to death, I'm going to end up in hell. Because Jesus makes the point so strongly in John 10, no one can snatch you out of my hands. And you're in my Father's hand and nobody can snatch you out of my Father's hand. You are safe, okay? But at the same time, the one who says you are safe and no one can snatch you out of your hand says in 1 Peter 5, 8, Be wide awake, be sober. Your enemy, the devil, goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
And as I said, he is out for blood. You see, life is serious every day. Now, I had a friend who um, kept a pound at night during college. And really, he might have on a given night four or five cars in, maybe on a busy night a dozen cars come in. But for most of the night, he could study. He could get four, five, six hours of studying done. It wasn't that important. That's not your day. Your day is like uh, a traffic controller, okay? Your day is like a guy looking at the, at the, uh, all the char, I'm sorry, all the, the panels of a nuclear waste facility. That's your day and my day. It's a critical day. Every day is important. Every day is glorious for its potential. Every day is wonderful for what God can do. And imagine, you know, if you're half asleep and drunk, it's fine if you all you had to do that day was lie around your house. But it's not so good if you're the bus driver for the children, okay? And let me just suggest to you that every day you're the bus driver, okay? You've got a critical, important day to live. And you're to be wide awake and sober because the enemy is out for blood. And sin tends to blind you to that reality. One day it was snowing in in, uh, Monroe, and we thought we heard a sound in the back, and then we heard it uh, again very loudly, and we went back there. And in the snow, this flock of birds had come to this tree. We had a holly tree out there, and they were eating the berries, which is fine. We didn't eat the berries. But three of the birds had, because of the dazzling snow and the reflection of the tree in the door, had broken their necks against the window of our back door. That's what sin would have for you. That's what Satan is after, always. And we need to keep that clear vision that he is out for blood. You know, sea anemones paralyze fish, and then the tentacles move them to the mouth to eat them. It's not like this, where the sea anemone shocks a fish and says, Ha ha, I shocked you, I shocked you. And the fish is saying, Oh, you little stinker. You know, it's not that kind of thing, is it? It's life and death. It's life and death. So may God give us this vision. May we keep a clear vision of who we are, what God is eager to do for us every day and will do for us if we entrust ourselves to Him. May we be focusing on areas and seeing these change. And may we never forget how sin works. Let us pray. Oh Lord, bless us, we pray, that... We will walk in your grace, that we will be people who walk in joyful awe and people who are determined every day, determined out of joy, determined out of eagerness, determined in faith, determined with expectancy, determined in the presence of God, built up, motivated by the glorious promises of God, knowing that God himself The God who made heaven and earth is engaged on our behalf. Oh, Lord, give us grace. Give us grace, as the writer of Hebrews says, to run the race that is set before us. Bless us to that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. 
Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Jesus, my Lord, my life, my light, oh, come with blissful rain, break radiant through the shades of night, and chase my fears away. Won't you chase my fears away?